Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today. Happy Wednesday, May the 8th. Oh, May the 8th. It's my mom's birthday. I just realized that. Happy birthday, Mom. I know she's not watching. She she doesn't agree with the politics of this program. But uh, but anyway, happy birthday. I got to call her afterwards. I just remembered when I saw the date there. May the 8th. May the 8th, 2019, all day long. My name is Peter Ogburn. I am sitting in for Bill Press today. Uh, remember, please follow us on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. We're also streaming live video, uh, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Also on Free Speech TV. And shout out to our friends in Chicago, WCPT. Uh, and of course, we have. Zip podcast up live right after the show. You can get it there. Uh, and you get all kinds of fun stuff there. So just subscribe. Make sure you get it. Uh, running the board this morning is McKenna, the singularly named McKenna. Hi, McKenna. That's me. That's What's you. Up? Let me ask you a question because we talked, Jason Dick was hosting the last couple of days. Uh, and we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about Avengers or any of that stuff. But what's the last movie you saw in the theater? Do you remember? Oh, no, I don't. It most certainly wasn't a Marvel movie. Okay, I, I understand. Yeah. But you're not, a, you're not like a movie buff in that sense. You don't go no. to the movie. No, 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 no. Uh, I, I saw Endgame. That was the last, that was the last uh, movie that I saw. Did, have you gone to see a movie twice in the theater? No, 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 no. That's kind of crazy behavior, right? I've done it a couple of times. I did it, uh, I did it last year with Infinity War. The Avengers movie. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> I'll probably go see Endgame in the theater again, just because. But, because they clearly need more money. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. Uh, but in Philadelphia, there was a guy, he saw more movies in the theater than anyone else in the nation. Do you know how many movies he saw on the calendar year last year? How, how many, many movies he saw? How many? No, I'm going to let you guess. 
I mean, 365. You were really close, actually. <laughs> 316. Oh. 316. Now, what I'm trying to figure out is you have to see it's almost a movie a day. It's almost yeah. a movie a day. Like, that's that's like six movies a week, practically. What does he do for a living? He works. They don't say what he does for a living, but he does have a job. He's not retired. He's a serial uh, killer. They got, clearly. Yeah. This is not normal behavior. <laughs> uh, his name is Glenn Miller. He saw 316 mo- movies last year, uh, more than anybody else in the nation. Uh, he's a member of the Regal Crown Club, like Regal Cinemas. I'm sure you've seen oh, Regal Cinemas. Yeah. They're, they're a nationwide thing. Uh, and because of that, he got a $500 gift card, which will get him in to see a dozen movies. $500? Yeah. How, how expensive are movies? I mean, I don't know if it's a dozen movies. Hey, movies yeah. aren't cheap, man. I mean, they're, they like, they're not cheap, especially the IMAX stuff now. You got the 3D. Uh, uh, but like, here's my advice to this guy: get a life, man. 316 movies. I mean, I get it. Like a little break from reality in the yeah. movie theater is always really nice. I love that. But that means that he had to see multiple movies multiple times. He says he saw uh, the Black Panther and Creed two. Listen to this: 25 times each. Does that count though? Yeah, it counts. It counts? Okay. Well, I mean, it's time spent in the movie theater. Sure. But, like, that's insane. That's yeah. what that's that's insane behavior. It is. And I liked Black Panther. I didn't see Creed 2, but I liked the Black Panther very much. Uh, I saw it in the theater, and then I bought the movie at home. But did I go see it 25 times in the theater? No. Absolutely not. All right. Lots to talk about here on the Bill Press Show. Uh, my name is Peter Ogburn. Sitting in for Bill Press today. We'll get right into it. Stay tuned. This is the Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today on a Wednesday, May the 8th. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, do we have stuff to talk about today. Uh, a lot of breaking news on Donald Trump and his taxes. The New York Times getting their hands on uh, just how uh, bad in business Donald Trump has been over the course of his career. We will talk about some of that. Also, we got ourselves a showdown in the House uh, with uh, Jerry Nadler and the Department of Justice. Uh, we'll be talking about that as well. Also, Should we or shouldn't we impeach Donald Trump? That is the question uh, that the nation grapples with on a a daily basis. But I think Elizabeth Warren yesterday made a great case for why we need to do it. We're going to talk about that uh, in just a moment with lots of of other stuff. Uh, Again, my name, Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today. McKenna, running the board. Hello, McKenna. Hello. And Cyprian Boulding, keeping us live on Free Speech TV and YouTube.com slash the Bill Press Show, where you can uh, you can not only hear what we're talking about, but you can see us. You can see us. By the way, I uh, nobody's commented yet. I've moved into my summer uniform, the black T-shirt. Everybody used to make fun of me because I like I have a drawer filled with black T-shirts, and 
now that the weather is nice, it's black t-shirt weather. I thought you're not supposed to wear black in the summer. No, no, it's just a black t-shirt. It's just, but it's a t-shirt. Like, it's a short sleeve thing. Okay. You're right. I mean, I understand, I but I, 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 I almost always wear dark colors because it's, they look better on me. But but it's black t-shirt weather. It's, it, was, it was warm out yesterday. It was beautiful. Out. It was gorgeous. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But it was like, yeah. I walked outside. I felt that sun shining on my face. It felt so nice. On your face. I sat outside on the porch last night drinking an Arnie Palmy. So nice. Wow. Have you switched to serum instead of moisturizer? The answer is yes. It's official. It's official. Summer, I don't want to say summer is here, but nice weather is here. Because once it stops being cold, you stop putting moisturizer on your face and you use serum. Okay? That's a little little, little skincare tip from me to you. And look, you look at this face and you think... (laughs) That's a guy that takes skincare seriously. Peter the blogger. Yeah. The face blogger. Yeah, I'm a mommy blogger now. <laughs> uh, so I mentioned we've got all this. I mean, I mean the, the, the endless tales of Donald Trump and corruption continue to pile on. But here is a story that I really, really, really wanted to talk about. Because Michael Cohen, uh, who is no hero... Uh, but has done a lot to try and repair his terrible reputation as Donald Trump's fixer. And when we say fixer, th- th- this word just gets thrown out all the time. He was Donald Trump's fixer. Well, what does that mean? Anytime that there was a scandal or a potential scandal or a problem, this is a guy who knew how to fix things, make them go away, get the bad press off of you, or at least maximize it to where you can uh, benefit from it. So he he's about to go to jail, <laughs> Michael Cohen. And as he was sort of giving his parting shot, his farewell before he went off to jail, he let slip a pretty interesting story. Uh, Reuters has this story, and it was recorded conversations uh, with Michael Cohen and uh, weirdly enough, Tom Arnold. You know who Tom Arnold is? He's a guy that used to be married to Roseanne Barr. He's a stand-up oh. comic. Yeah, He's yeah, sort of yeah. like a, g- a general media personality. He was on Celebrity Apprentice at one time. Oh. Yeah. But he like he does not like Trump. He does not care for Trump. He's one of those guys that did the show and actually says bad things about Trump. All these people lined up uh, to talk about Trump being such a great guy that did the show because he did good things for them. Tom Arnold's not that guy. So Michael Cohn says that he did a personal favor for Jerry Falwell Jr. Now, Jerry Falwell Jr. is the president of Liberty University, which is a college that is very religious uh, in nature. I mean, it's a religious school. Like, they have a law program there, but it's all about how to train lawyers to, like, repeal Roe versus Wade, right? Like, it's that that's that's their curriculum. Did Mike Pence go to this school? No, but Mike Pence would absolutely go, <laughs> go to, to this school. school. Okay. Like, this is definitely, this, this school has Mike Pence full-throated endorsement. So, Michael Cohen says that he took care of, made go away, racy personal photographs that Jerry Falwell had. 
As he said, these are the sorts of photographs that would typically be kept between a husband and a wife. Oh, boy. Michael Cohn was able to get a hold of these photos and have them destroyed on Falwell's behalf. So he made them go away. The Falwells, and this is, I'm reading from Reuters, the Falwells enlisted Cohen's help in 2015. Now, remember what was happening in 2015. Donald Trump's ascent to the top of the uh, Republican Party was, was happening, was getting underway. And he needed the support of evangelicals to help him sell this idea uh, that, that he is to be trusted to the base, the religious base of the conservative party, the Republican Party. So uh, probably with Trump's help, he probably introduced the Falwells to Cohen. He, in 2015, uh, worked with the Falwells to get, quote, a bunch of photographs, personal photographs, from becoming public. Cohen told Arnold, quote, I actually still have one of these photos. It's terrible. Ooh, mic drop. <laughs> now, none of this, I mean, all of this is speculation until we get the receipts. Michael Cohen has, I mean, he's a shady character, so it's not like we should take him at his word on this. But here's something very, very interesting, okay? And this is a story that I cannot believe didn't get more attention at the time. I, I saw this story. Uh, but in the flood of insane stuff that was going on, we just missed it and, and didn't really get into it. I'm going to read directly from the Miami New Times to maybe shed a little light or give a little context to what Michael Cohen could be talking about. Uh, headline, Trump Tide Evangelist Funded Fountain Blue Pool Attendance Miami Beach Real Estate Deal. Let me read on. Jerry Falwell Jr., the evangelist son of world-famous Southern Baptist minister Jerry Falwell Jr., runs a hardcore Christian university and often acts as the public face for the American evangelical movement. That's why it seemed so hypocritical when he endorsed Donald Trump, a sexually rapacious avatar of American greed, racism, and unearned privilege who very clearly does not care about the Bible that Jerry Falwell Jr. claims to love so much. First of all, shout out Miami New Times. That lead is fantastic. It goes on. But it's also pretty darn curious that Falwell Jr. recently admitted in court that he paid $1.8 million to a pool attendant at Miami Beach's Fountain Blue Resort who had befriended the Falwell family. Now, $1.8 million? It was part of an exceedingly odd, I'm reading again from the New York Times, uh, uh, excuse me, the Miami New Times. It was part of an exceedingly odd business deal in which the group tried to buy the Miami Hostel in South Beach. The building is attached to a popular Italian restaurant and also houses a 120-bed hostel where beds just cost $20 a night. The case, races, the case raises more questions than answers. Falwell Jr. and his wife appear to have simply befriended a then 21-year-old pool boy while the husband and wife were staying at the Ritzy Resort. They then welcomed the pool attendant into their lives. They began flying him around on a private jet and even put up millions of dollars to help his business ventures. 
Falwell and his wife have appeared in Facebook photos eating at the restaurant with the pool boy, who is a Florida International University graduate, named Giancarlo Granda. Ooh. Ooh. He now lives in Washington, D.C. and attends Georgetown University. Hello, Giancarlo. The real estate transaction, which, again, think about this. Jerry Falwell Jr., the face of the evangelical community in America, put up almost $2 million to a 21-year-old pool boy. Now, the jokes kind of write themselves. BuzzFeed News, I'm reading again from the Miami New Times, BuzzFeed News has previously reported that the real estate transactions also had some odd potential p- potential ties to Michael Cohen, Trump's former fixer. So he's involved in th- He was involved in this. According to public court filings, Falwell Jr. said uh, this past December, um, this was written in 2018, so this, w- this must have been 2017, uh, He made two loans to a shell company called Alton Hostel, which was controlled by Falwell's wife and son, plus Giancarlo Granda. Of course. Quote, my wife and I provided a loan of $1 million for the purchase of the hostel, Jerry Falwell wrote in court. Later, my wife and I provided additional funds of approximately $800,000 for renovations, which are being treated as an additional loan. Now... I don't want to, like, wildly speculate, but why would Jerry Falwell and his wife throw $2 million to a young 21-year-old pool boy in Miami? Why would that be? That really, the mind reels. I, you know, someone's got to look more into this story and figure out exactly what was going on there. By the way, in in 2017, a reporter from Politico spent a weekend at this hostel. Uh, They they labeled it a flop house. It encourages drinking, premarital sex, smoking, co-ed sleeping. All of these things, by the way, would get all of those things would get you expelled from Liberty University, where Jerry Falwell serves uh, as the president. Um, So what do you think would happen? What do I think yeah, happened? I want to hear it. Um, I'm not saying that Jerry Falwell is a cuck. I'm just saying. You're just saying. That's all I'm going to say. And by the way, I'm not kink shaming Jerry Falwell, if in fact this is what's happening. But like, this is the guy, this is the moral authority uh, in America, right? This is a guy that has, uh, that has made life a living hell for gay people. Um, uh, so I'm, I, I report you decide. Okay. I'll just take that from, from Fox news. So when Michael Cohn says that he has racy photos of Jerry Falwell and his wife, he did not say that there was a third person in these pictures. 
would just be curious to know if maybe that was a thing because it sounds like it could be a thing. I hate Jerry Falwell Jr., by the way. I just want to put my bias out there, right? I hope this is true. I hope this hypocritical uh, uh, SOB gets exposed uh, very publicly and embarrassed very publicly. Uh, Nothing would make me happier. So, Michael Cohen, if you have that photo... Find us on Twitter at BP Show. Just, just hit us up. We'll help you. We'll help you signal boost that thing. Um, I, I haven't been able to stop thinking about this story because it all makes so much sense. How many times has a Republican leader, which I would say Jerry Falwell is a Republican leader, even though he's not an official elected official, he's he's definitely a leader of the conservative movement. Uh, how many times they get in trouble for doing something completely hypocritical, completely sure. opposed to what they put out there yeah. and their beliefs? It happens all the time. So would I be shocked if this is the case with Jerry Falwell Jr.? Absolutely not. But it does put a smile on my face. Yeah, it's a good taste of their own medicine. I would love it. Yeah. I would love it. My man Romaine already chiming in uh, <laughs> on... <laughs> <laughs> Romaine in Chicago is honestly uh, uh, one of my favorite tweeters. He just says, I am so done. A cuck? Lord, bring me my smelling salts. Oh, I'm just saying, it looks it if it looks like a cuck and uh, walks like a cuck, it might be a cuck. If there's a picture of a cuck, then it's a cuck. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. Uh, and my buddy Phil uh, on Twitter says, like him or not, Michael Cohen has been right about a lot of stuff lately. Not everything, but a hell of a lot. That's true. That's true. He has been right about a whole lot of stuff. And I think that uh, uh, Michael Cohen uh, spent a large chunk of his adult life working for the devil and is like, hey, maybe I shouldn't work for the devil anymore. Maybe I can find some redemption later on in life. I get that. I get it. And there's some honor in that. But I mean, also, he's done a lot of bad things. Yeah. I mean, anyone who has to be has to be, is going sent to jail, I think has consideration of like all the things that you've done. Yeah. There's a lot of time to be thinking. Uh Jason Bussell uh says maybe Trump got the photos and he and then he blackmailed the Falwells. I'll get rid of them. You endorse me. Now, that is very interesting to think about because then you have to think about the um, hacking that we know Russia did in the 2018 election. Did Russia hack into the Falwell's personal uh, account to get some photos? I don't know. Did they give them to Donald Trump? I don't know. I'm just speculating. I'm just speculating. I love to speculate sometimes. Anyway, uh, if you have a comment on that, find us on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, I think it's I think it's just amazing, uh, and I would not lose any sleep if Jerry Falwell Jr. gets disgraced and loses everything over this. That would make me very very happy. Make me very very happy. We got a little bit of a showdown shaping up uh, here in Washington D.C. today. Uh, Jerry Nadler has said that today at 10 a.m. Eastern time they will have a uh, vote to hold Attorney General Bill Barr in contempt because he showed up and he told very obvious lies uh, when he was giving his testimony. 
So 10 a.m. today, Jerry Nadler uh, is going to hold a hearing to uh, uh, or hold a vote, I should say, to uh, hold Attorney General Barr in contempt. Now, this sort of sets the stage for all kinds of stuff that happened yesterday. I want to start out, first of all, with Bitch McConnell, because uh, he took to the floor yesterday and spoke about the Mueller report. And he he's sort of keeping up with this whole uh, charade that the Mueller report completely and totally exonerated uh, Donald Trump completely ignoring the fact that Robert Mueller has put out a, a statement saying, no, that's not true, uh, that there were, I, what was the number, like 300 prosecutors came out and said, this is enough. This is enough to prove at least obstruction of justice on Donald Trump. If you look at the Mueller report, it, it proves at least that. Despite all that, Bitch McConnell uh, talked yesterday and said that the Democrats are going through the five stages of grief. My Democratic colleagues seem to be publicly working through the five stages of grief. First stage is denial. No, it, the facts are right there in front of, in front of us. Uh, there's no denial. I think that there were a lot of people that put too much value on the Mueller report. And I think that a lot of people thought that this was going to be some magic pill that got Donald Trump out of office. Uh, but there's no denying that something nefarious took place. There's no denying that Russia uh, hacked our elections in 2016. And there's no denying that Donald Trump was actively working with them to try and get dirt on Hillary Clinton, which is collusion. And there's no denying that he also fired James Comey and constantly tried to obstru obstruct uh, the Russia investigation. Uh, that, that's not denial. Democratic politicians were obviously upset about this yesterday. Uh, let me just start first with Chuck Schumer, where he, he compares this to Richard Nixon, which a lot of people have done, and this is nothing new, but it, it, it bears repeating. So our leader says, let's move on. It's sort of like Richard Nixon saying, let's move on at the height of the investigation of his wrongdoing. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, th this this investigation is definitely not finished. The Mueller report is over. He's submitted it. It's finished. But there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered. And Jerry Nadler is going to continue to uh, try and get those answers. Chuck Schumer also talking about how the links that the Republican Party is going to to protect Donald Trump. They will stop at nothing. What we have here is a concerted effort to circle the wagons, to protect the president from accountability, to whitewash his reprehensible conduct by simply declaring it irrelevant. And then uh, I, I want to play this clip of Nancy Pelosi because um, she notoriously, famously, took impeachment off of the table for Donald Trump, which I'm very, very conflicted about. I think that if you look at the Mueller report, there's absolutely uh, room in there to impeach the president. But at the same time, uh, you know what you're up against you know that you have this body that exists purely to protect donald trump but nancy pelosi says donald trump is just daring us just goading us to impeach him trump is 
goading us to impeach him. That's what he's doing every single day. He's just like taunting, taunting, taunting. Um, in my eyes, if that's what's happening, um, maybe you should just impeach him. I know, maybe we shouldn't give him what he wants, but I, I'd be, I, I look, I, I, I'd be way more comfortable with just, like, winning the election in 2020 and getting him out. But, like, look, there's plenty of reason there to impeach Donald Trump. Nobody spoke about this better than uh, E-dubs. You know what I'm talking about. Now I do. Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Who I have to say, y'all, I know that uh, she had a rocky rollout. Uh, she's having some trouble raising money. She's not been as effective as other people. Um, and there is, of course, the whole flap over her heritage, uh, which I, 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 I mean, I think we could say all that we can say about it. But she uh, teed off on this yesterday and really went after Trump. We are a government that works by separation of powers. We are not a government that circles the wagon around a leader and says everything else falls away. Instead, we say there are powers that are given to the president and powers that are given to Congress, and each operates as a check on the other. I'm here to say one more time in publicly, this is not a fight I wanted to take on, but this is the fight in front of us now. This is not about politics. This is about the Constitution of the United States of America. We took an oath not to try to protect Donald Trump. We took an oath to protect the con and serve the Constitution of the United States of America. And the way we do that is we begin impeachment proceedings now against this president. Bow! There it is. Elizabeth Warren putting it all out there on the table. I think she is amazing. I think that uh, there are a lot of people in this country who don't understand uh, why or how the government works. And Elizabeth Warren, to this day, gave the quickest synopsis, the best example of what government is, what it does. She's not a socialist or even a democratic socialist like Bernie Sanders. But she says, look, if you did really well in this country and you took uh, your idea and your product and you sold it to millions and millions of people and you made a ton of money on it, there's a reason. Part of the reason why you did that is you were able to deliver your products on the highway system that the U.S. government created. You were able to protect your idea and your factory and your place of business because of a police force that made sure that marauding bandits didn't come in and take everything that you own. You were benefited by all of these things that the government gave you. Maybe it's time that you give a little back. And that message, uh, which she said probably five years ago now, uh, has been seared into my brain because I think every Democratic politician has to make the case for government because Republicans have been making the case against government for years. And it's become this boogeyman, the ooh, big government, big government. It's coming to take all of your money. It's coming to take your taxes. No, the big government is there to protect people like a large chunk of Donald Trump voters. 
rural Americans who need better access to health care, better access to the Internet, better access to skills uh, so that you can sort of adjust from, you know, the jobs that were driven out of town so you could find new work. I mean, the government does exist for things. But one of the reasons that government definitely exists is as a check and balance system. And Elizabeth Warren made that case yesterday. This is your job, Mitch McConnell. This is your job, Devin Nunes. This is your job, Lindsey Graham. This is what you are supposed to do. And when you think about the endless hearings and investigations into Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and all of this stuff, I think it was weaponized, but they were within their rights to have those hearings. They didn't find S. But that is part of what the government does, like it or not, okay? I didn't like it, but that they were within their bounds to do it, and it certainly was political. But there are parts of this that are just like the government exists as oversight, check and balance on what the president is doing. And it's, not, it's, it's never been needed more than right now. And Elizabeth Warren gets it, and good for her. And I all I all I will say about her in relation to 2020 is I can't wait for the debates. I can't wait for the debates. Hey, but we have lots of other 2020 news to talk about. We'll do it with Adam Wolner. Uh, he is uh, our buddy from McClatchy. He's going to be joining us in studio momentarily. Uh, politics editor for McClatchy. Uh, he'll be joining me in the next segment. So stay tuned. We get a very 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 quick break, and we will be right back. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, it is The Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today. Remember to follow us on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. We are uh, checking your comments all throughout the program, uh, and we will be uh, we will be uh, reading some of those a little bit later on in the show. Also, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about this in the first segment. We're going to talk about this a little bit later. Uh, the New York Times getting their hands on some of Donald Trump's tax returns. These are for the years 1985 to 1994. And it, according to them, uh, these are the official tax transcripts. He lost over $1 billion uh, in his businesses over those years. Now, this is not like uncommon knowledge Donald Trump had a rocky uh, run of things in the uh, late 80s early 90s um so it, it shouldn't come as like a huge surprise but uh the documents show that Trump's business has lost 1.17 billion dollars over 10 years uh including that 46.1 million dollars in 1985 alone uh and he lost hundreds of millions by the time of his much publicized uh, 1990s financial collapse. Uh, so what does that mean? Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but joining me now to talk about all things 2020 is politics editor for McClatchy. He is Adam Wolner. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam Wolner. That's Wolner with two L's. And uh, I also wanted to talk to you about one of the uh, biggest stories of the day. Uh, will the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> win against the Celtics tonight? 
and move on yeah. to the Eastern Conference Finals? The answer is I, yes. I, I feel pretty confident about it after after watching them uh, handle them pretty easily uh, in, in Game Four in Boston. It was brutal. Um, it was brutal. Yeah, I, I feel I feel pretty good about about where the Bucks are right now, and I think we're only going to get better because at, at a certain point, Malcolm Brogdon is going to come back, one of our starters. So I I. I this is about as good as I've ever felt about the Milwaukee Bucks in my entire life. Oh, you should. I mean, they look amazing. They are they are yeah. in my opinion they're the best team in the NBA when they're when they're firing, right? Yeah. Like when they're hitting on all cylinders. But uh I I've been watching like every playoff game except for the late ones. Yeah. Uh, and that first game against the Celtics when Paul Pierce said, "That's it. It's over. The Celtics are are going to win this series." Celtics have looked terrible since that game. Uh Giannis is MVP. Uh, absolutely should be MVP. Yeah, 100% should be MVP. And and now there's the question of whether or not he is the new face of the NBA. And uh, if you're asking for my opinion, yes, absolutely. He very well could be. And I, I think he would be a great ambassador for the league, you know, as an international player. And just seems like, I mean, you know, obviously I don't know him personally, but he seems sure. like such a great guy. You yeah. know, it's, he would, I think um, the NBA would be very lucky to have him as sort of like, the, the guy who's kind of taking the the throne for, from LeBron here. His story is so good, and if you don't know about it, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it. You should go read about yes, it, yeah, because uh, it's, really it's amazing. And I'm I'm a lifelong Spurs fan, so opening these doors to international players is something that I've like seen happen because right. the Spurs really led the way with that. Uh, but boy, you look at what this young player Giannis Antetokounmpo has done for the Milwaukee Bucks, and. Uh, you should be terrified if you have to play him. Yeah. He and had that that like face. The mean mug. The yeah. mean mug. Yeah. He was really hitting him with the mean mug after uh And he's, after he's game 24 four. years old. It's terrifying. Which is insane. You should see him. I saw him play. Yeah, you got to see him live. I, I saw him really play is. one time and he is one of the most impressive specimens of yeah. human beings I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. I mean, the guy looks like he was just carved out of stone. Yeah, it's remarkable. And he also has the best name in the NBA. Yeah. The Greek Freak. Exactly. I love it. Uh, okay, so my prediction is they will win tonight. This will be it. And, I think uh, so, too. And Kyrie Irving will never go back to Boston. He's going to leave and <laughs> yeah, go yeah, somewhere Yeah, his else. bags are already packed, I think. I think they're packing them for him in yeah, Boston. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. they, They're not super thrilled with it. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, some 2020 news. Uh, you have a story here which is really, really interesting because I'm old enough to remember when Beto O'Rourke got into the race and we were doing the show and we were looking up at the TVs mm -hmm. and everybody's watching him and he's standing on counters, which is sort of his shtick and yeah uh and everybody just sort of assumed oh my god now we have this like supernova that got into the race and he's doing okay he's not doing great what's going on with beto o'rourke well i think he he is realizing that running in a very crowded and competitive democratic primary field where there's more than 20 candidates is a much different story than running in a general election race in Texas as sort of the underdog against, against one of the most hated members of the Senate. Exactly. So I think I think, you know, the shine has maybe worn off, you know, on him a little bit. You know, he's not necessarily the, the fresh face that he was, you know, maybe at this point, uh, even last year. Um, and it, it just, you know, there's just, you know, he, you know, when you're, you know, kind of a young guy, in, in, in running a state like Texas, where Democrats don't really do that well, it's easy to kind of get people from not only in your home state, but all over the country to support you. Now, all of a sudden, you're going up against, you know, a very impressive cast of of, of candidates here who are, you know, you know, very diverse, have their own sort of unique 
background that's a little bit tougher to to break through. And and I think you know he he sort of thought at the outset of this campaign that he could just sort of take his sort of um, unorthodox, unconventional campaign that he ran in Texas. You know, he didn't have yeah. a pollster. He was just sort of driving around the state doing these impromptu events. I think he, he sort of thought, oh, that's kind of I can just apply that to my presidential campaign. I, I don't think that's quite worked out for him quite the way he expected. Um, he still is sort of bringing on his his campaign staff. They're trying to figure out exactly what his strategy is going to be here. You don't really see him uh, necessarily on TV as much as, as some of the other candidates. In fact, uh, for for the first few weeks of his campaign, he actually went out of his way not to go on TV. Yeah. And I think that maybe backfired on him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think it absolutely backfired. And it's been a really – I mean, you would think that a guy who had all of the attention from the political world um, would run a better campaign. And I've just been kind of shocked at what a what a thud his campaign landed with. Um it also, I think, speaks to the idea that uh, Democratic voters uh, are really craving big ideas right now, mm-hmm. and I'm not—I'm still not sure where exactly Beto O'Rourke falls on the political spectrum. Right there, are a lot of—he has a lot of conservative leanings, and then he said things that are very, very progressive, and some of them sort of offset each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not sure what he stands for. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, he certainly didn't enter the race with kind of a, a big set of of clear policy platforms on where he stood now. Um just last week he released his climate plan which actually uh, earned him a lot of praise from, yeah, yeah, from yeah. people on the left. But that was really the, the first that we had seen from him in, you know, now he's he's been in the race, you know, for for about 2 months now. Yeah. Um, so, so I think he he is playing that catch was up. Fast two months, man. Yeah, right. And so I think he, he's yeah, I think he he's playing catch up a little bit on that front, especially when you see people like Elizabeth Warren, who seems like every day they're they're coming out with, with some some new policy proposal. Uh, so, so and, and I would imagine from the work uh, campaign's perspective, you know, it is still very early. It's only May. Uh, we still have a very long way to go before the Iowa caucuses. And clearly, he does have the, those retail skills that helped him in the Senate race. Could very well help him. Moving forward, it's just that he's he's not the only Democrat running anymore. He's got to break out of a field of, of twenty plus candidates. Uh, I I really believe this, and I and I and I mean this when I say it. I, I haven't made up my mind, and mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna I'm a Democratic voter. I'm registered as a Democrat. I'm gonna vote uh, for uh, the Democratic candidate. Uh, I, I have not made up my mind yet, and I think that the debates really are going to be a big deal mm-hmm. for Democratic primary voters. I think there are so many options out there. And, you know, I'm not totally sure what Beto O'Rourke stands for. I'm not totally sure what Kamala Harris wants to run on. I'm not totally sure where Pete Buttigieg is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think they're running interesting campaigns. I think Pete Buttigieg is, uh, is a fascinating study of like an an underdog who has gotten like on the national stage right. in a big big way but i'm still not totally sure what some of his policies are other than like i'm a really smart and thoughtful guy which is great and and wonderful but uh then of course there's joe biden and if we start talking about ideas and policies joe biden's got a couple problems that he's going to have to square with the democratic voters right yeah, absolutely. It'll be really interesting to see, you know, how because, you know, Joe Biden right now is running a much different campaign than than all of the other Democrats right now. You know, Joe Biden is almost saying that we need to we need to return to this era that we were in sort of before 
Trump was in office. You know, he, I, you know, I think he kind of views Trump as an aberration that yes. the country needs to move past. And let's go, you know, remember the Obama years, you know, the Obama Biden years. Let, let's try and go back to that, where I think a lot of the other Democrats are trying to run a, a more forward-looking campaign and trying to, you know, build on on maybe you know some some of the legacy that that Obama ha- had established. Uh, but you know, Joe Biden's been in politics for a very long time. He certainly does not shy away from the fact that that he's worked with Republicans yeah. on a number of things in the past, and and you know holds some. Some more, you know, traditionally, you know, moderate or center left positions. So, and it's been, and so far it hasn't uh, hurt him too much. Obviously, as he, he's his lead has only grown in the polls yeah, I mean, he's since he got lead. into the race, and he's he's raising uh, more money than anybody. But but as you said, I think once we get on that debate stage, that's really where, when we're going to start to see the candidates start to contrast themselves. Because right now, I you know, the candidates are still more or less playing nice with with one yeah. another, and 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 I think that and that makes a lot of sense. That's usually what you see in these early stages of of a of a crowded primary like this, people need to sort of introduce themselves to voters, establish themselves as this is what I'm running on. Here's what I stand for. But there's going to come a point here where you're going to need to start drawing contrast. And the, the debate stage is going to be one of the first major places that they're able to do that. So uh, in the last week with Joe Biden, here's just a sampling of things that he has said, because he is a goof monster. <laughs> he is a total like he and I, I know that we're not running campaigns anymore where gaffes matter, right? But he is he is notorious for putting his foot in his mouth. Uh, in the last week, uh, he talked about younger people and voters. Told them basically to suck it up. He says, "I have no empathy." Quote: I have no empathy for uh, for it. give me a break. When he's talking about younger generations, talking about how they ha- how tough things are right now. Um, he praised Dick Cheney as like. A good guy, Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney for Democrats who is like Satan. He talked about what a good guy he is. Uh, he also said he was too busy to release his health care plan. Um, again, I get that it's early, so I'll mm-hmm. give him a little bit of a break on that. But also, not a great look. Mm-hmm. Um, he is still out there talking about his uh, his handling of the Anita Hill. Right thing, he basically said, "I apologize. Let's all move on." Whereas Anita Hill is maybe not quite ready to move on. Uh, so, is Joe Biden the goof machine, the gaff machine, the, the t- constantly sort of uh, uh, stepping on his own success? I, I do kind of think that he's going to do or say something that's going to get him in big trouble with Democratic voters. I, I think that's absolutely true, and and I, but I think that the, the number one thing Joe Biden has going for him right now is that Democratic primary voters, or at least you know a good chunk of them, see him as the most quote unquote electable. They yeah. see him as the best candidate to take on Donald Trump. Whether or not that's true or not, it, we, we we just can't say at this point. But but when when that is sort of your top priority, you're going to overlook maybe some of his faults or sure. some areas where you say, well, you know, he's not quite where I want him to be on health care. He's, you know, some of the things he said in the past isn't quite square with where I am right now or where I think the party is going. But if your top priority is we just need to get Trump out of office and we'll basically take anybody who with a D yeah. <laughs> next to their name, you're going to be willing to, to, to overlook some things. So as long as he has that going for him, I think he is going to be able to, um, you know, maybe he's going to maybe be able to overcome some of his faults a little bit easier than some some of the other candidates will be. I've said uh, from the very, very beginning after Donald Trump was elected president, when everybody immediately started looking to 2020, yeah. Democratic voters anyway, uh, it's going to come down to uh, really uh, the factions of the Democratic Party are, are this. We 
I just want to go back to where things are normal. I just want to go back to where, like when Barack Obama was president mm-hmm. and everything felt good and I could go to brunch with my friends and not have the president living in my head 24 right. hours a day. Or the other side of that is things are not normal anymore. And there are some radical ideas that Democrats can claim that would be good for everybody. And we just have to accept the fact that we are out of that world now. We are out of the biggest scandal that we could possibly deal with is Barack Obama wearing a tan suit. We are out of that (laughs) world, right? We're now in a point where this is a fight. This is a fight. And I kind of sympathize more with that group of just like we are beyond the pale now like mm-hmm. things are just different but yeah it, there, there's no going back to yeah there's no going back or 2012 there's yeah. no going back and i i i get what biden is doing and mm-hmm. i on some level i appreciate it right because there are a lot of people who it's this is the, like the this first term of donald trump has been an absolute nightmare to them uh but I just I, I I look at folks like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders uh, who are pushing like to the next generation. Weirdly enough, even though they're both in their seventies, uh, versus a guy like Biden. It's just like let's just go back, and Republicans can be our friends, and we yeah. can work with them. Yeah, and I think you're going to see, and you already are kind of starting to see this in the polls, but a real generational yeah. divide on that, where you have some of the, the younger, you know, more progressive. Uh, elements of of the party who are saying no, you know, Trump is actually just a, a kind of a symptom of where the Republican Party has been going. You know, these you know past ten twenty years, however far you want to go back, and we just need to completely you know move on from that. We need to go in a completely different direction and actually going going to the left is yeah. is the way to win. It's the way that we should go. And then you know some some older voters who you know you know might say, well, you know, I remember the Obama years. I remember the, the Clinton years. You know, those were pretty good. Maybe let's just go back to that. Let's not rock the boat yeah. too much, more or less. I, and I and I get it. I totally yeah. get it. You know, I think that the one thing that really shows that Biden um, might not understand the times that we're living in was the one that you mentioned about how Trump is an aberration mm-hmm. and that this is not normal for the Republican Party. Right. The Republican Party hates having Donald Trump as president, which is like essentially what Biden said. This is just like a weird blip. Um. I would just point out that Donald Trump is the most popular Republican president within the Republican Party Mm -hmm. that they have ever had. I mean, it's like 80-something percent. Like, they they love him. And I think that they finally got someone who would say the quiet part loud. Mm -hmm. And this is what the Republican Party, not everybody, but this is, he's saying what the Republican Party stands for. Yeah, and I think it will be tough for Biden to argue that, like, you know, if I beat Trump, all of a sudden, you know, the next day the Republican Party is just going to kind of go back to to the pre-Trump era, right? Yeah. Like they, you know, this is Trump's party now. Like yeah. He's so ingrained in the party, and I, but I guess you know, probably a, a counter argument he would make is so, you know, a lot of these Democrats are talking about these big, bold, progressive ideas that they want to push through, but how are you going to do that, you know, in, in a Congress where you know there's still a pretty good yeah. chance Republicans will be in control of the yep. Senate, and even if Democrats were able to take control of the Senate. You know, uh, you're gonna, ha- you know, you're gonna need that that 60 vote threshold right. to, to get a lot of things done. So I think that's where Biden would come in and say, "Listen, I can kind of use some of these old relationships I've had to try and push stuff through." Whether or not Republicans are going to be in any <laughs> mood to, to compromise <laughs> with, with Democrats in that in that I have uh, a scenario, I have a guess. You know, I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of people on the left would be very skeptical of that. Um, but it's going to be really interesting just to to see, you know, which direction the the, the Democratic Party goes in here. Um, over the, the the next few months, and also who kind of becomes that candidate who takes up that mantle on the other side? Because as you mentioned, there's a couple people right now. You know, Bernie Sanders was certainly that guy for a while. His 
poll numbers seem to have, have fallen a little bit since his announcement. Elizabeth Warren rising a little bit. Seems like someone who, who could who could take that uh, mantle as well. So it'll be interesting to see just how the, the candidates sort of sort themselves here. In, let me ask you months. let me ask you a question. I because I, I, I do get a little nerdy on, on some of this stuff sometimes. I was having a conversation with someone over drinks over the weekend. Who is the leader of the Democratic Party right now? Mm. Who leads yeah. the Democratic Party? It's a really good question. Um, I only ask good questions. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, some people might argue Nancy Pelosi in terms of someone who actually, you know, that, has pretty widespread support right now from a lot of various factions. But yeah, it, it's tough to, to point to just one person right now, and it's really been that way since um, Obama left office. Yeah, um, there and, is a big void in the Democratic Party. Absolutely, and 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 all, and and and. and as we were just talking, there's kind of, you know, two competing visions about which way the Democratic Party is going, depending on where you sort of align yourself. You might say someone different. You know, you might say it's Bernie Sanders. I was going to say, say there are some Joe people who Biden. say Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Um, so but that that's that's what we're going to be sorting out here, I guess. So over yeah. the, the next year or so in the Democratic primary. Let's let's spend a little bit of time here. We only have a couple minutes left, but I, I do kind of want to get into the Pete Buttigieg yeah. stuff. Uh, he's been in. He sat in that chair right there. Uh you know, I'm not sure about Pete Buttigieg only because he's got the same problem as Beto. I'm not totally sure what his policies are. I'm not mm-hmm. sure why he's running other than why not. Yeah. Um, do, do you think he's got the staying power? Does it look like he's got the staying power? I mean, he's certainly had a meteoric rise, if, especially if you look Absolutely. at a lot of the polls. Yeah, yeah, he has. And it seems to have maybe worn off a little bit. I mean, I think one thing he's going to have going for him is, is the fundraising. He seems yeah. to have really won over a lot of kind of former, uh, especially Obama-type yeah. people who were with him early on in 2008 and just were sort of won over by, you know, this fresh face who they think could kind of represent a new generation of Democrats. Uh, and, and I think, you know, it, it, it's going to be really telling to see where he sort of aligns himself policy-wise, because as you said, we don't really know a whole lot about where he stands on a lot of the major issues. It seems like he's going to be more in the sort of center-left camp as opposed to trying to compete with the Bernies and, and Elizabeth Warrens of, of the world. So... You know, I I am I am remain skeptical that he's going to be able to, to to sort of maintain this over the coming months, just because you know we we've seen this in primary after primary on both sides. You know, you kind of people who who sort of come out of nowhere rise up in the polls to like ten percent. Everyone you know, uh, you, you know starts covering him him a lot. <laughs> I will say, you know, the one thing that hasn't happened yet that I thought might is, you know, a lot of times when you have these candidates that have this meteoric rise in the polls, then it's usually followed by a lot of negative coverage, yeah. which, which actually hasn't really happened yet. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I think so far the worst thing that, that's happened has just sort of been Democrats, especially those on the left, being like, okay, where do you stand on issue XYZ? Where's your policy platform? Um, so, you know, I, I'm certainly not not writing him off by any means, but, but I remain skeptical that he's yeah. going to be able to sort of maintain that status as a top tier candidate but but i think he at the very least he's going to have the money to be able to stay in for a while yeah which, which is which is a, a it's a big you know, deal that, that's no small thing in in, in this field yeah it, it, you mentioned all the love from the former obama people for pete Buttigieg. i think that's really interesting because he is an obama type with the you know a very cerebral guy yeah uh seems to have um he's like kind of a steady eddie you know like um not gonna do something crazy yeah uh, and again, this gets back to the whole like we just want to feel normal again. Like mm-hmm. I think he's a really smart, intellectual guy. I don't think he would do something crazy like you know threaten nuclear war against North Korea. 
<laughs> like the current president. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, does right. he have the staying power? I tend to say probably right. and, not. And, and maybe he could thread that needle of, on the one side, yeah, it just seems like a really smart, intelligent guy who's, you know, not going to, not, not going to, you know, go off the deep end. But but then on the other side, you know, still very inspirational as, you know, yeah. the, you know an openly gay candidate running, running for president and, and being a very young guy. So maybe he can kind of, uh, you know, be able to to appeal to, to to people who are looking for for someone who could both kind of be a return to normalcy, so to speak, but also you know an inspirational figure that could lead the Democratic Party into a new era. But uh, but but there are a lot of other candidates who I think can can sort of make make that claim as as well, and they're going to have their moment in the sun too at some point here yeah. uh, in, in the coming year. Yeah. We'll see what happens. It also this all feels very early. Yes, this all feels it is. Very, That's what you have to keep early. on kind of yeah, 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 reminding yeah, yeah. yourself that. I mean, we still are about a month and a half away from from the first from the first of, of many debates, uh, and, and of course, you know, uh, we won't even have voters heading to the polls until February. I, so. I will say uh, this: I mentioned this the other day in two thousand the two thousand eight election. At this time in the race. Rudy Giuliani was winning by like 13 yes. points. So, like, that says a lot. Long way to go. All right, Adam Wolner. Uh, everybody go follow him on Twitter at Adam Wolner. That's Wolner with two L's. Thank you very much. Thanks, go man. Bucks. Yeah, thanks, go man. Bucks. Appreciate All it. right, man. We'll see you soon. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how you can follow us on Twitter at BP Show. Or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. And on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Network live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn. Sitting in for Bill Press today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Lots and lots and lots to talk about. If you didn't hear our first hour, we will have it up in podcast form right after the program. No big deal. Uh, and we've got another great, great hour ahead. Uh, joining us momentarily will be the features editor for Morning Consult, Joanna Piacenza, who I invited on the show because uh, she's very smart and a wonderful guest, but also I just love saying the name Piacenza. Uh, also a national politics reporter for, soon to be, I should say, soon to be a uh, national politics reporter for Yahoo News, Brittany Shepard will be in studio with uh, Joanna and I. So it's going to be a great, great, great hour up ahead. Uh, I did want to mention this story uh, because this is just grotesque. Uh, Georgia Governor uh, Brian Kemp, who you remember, stole the election from uh, Stacey Abrams. He just signed into law uh, a new abortion law in Georgia. It's called the Fetal Heartbeat Bill. It's a piece of legislation that would prohibit abortion after a heartbeat is detected in an embryo. Uh, it's a a terrible, terrible precedent uh, that they are setting in Georgia. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez last night tweeted, basically, like, uh, 
six weeks pregnant equals two weeks late on your period. Most of the men writing these bills don't know the first thing about a woman's body outside of the things that they want from it. It's relatively common for a woman to have a late period and not be pregnant. So it's sort of a backdoor ban on abortion. Next thing, you know, it's just like, it's, it's, it's so, uh, not well thought out unless you actually think about what they're trying to do. And then it's like, oh, oh, I understand exactly what they're doing. Uh, so so shameful, shameful piece of legislation in, uh, in Georgia. And again, Stacey Abrams should be the governor there. Uh, and sadly, she is not. Uh, joining me in studio is Joanna Piacenza. Hi, Joanna. How are you? Yeah, you're starting with the light topics. Yeah, no, this is. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, happy Wednesday, everybody. At Eight a.m. Yeah, sorry, I had to get I had to get that story in there because it's just it's so crazy. Um, I also wanted to mention this story. You're a journalist. Sure. Uh, it, Mexico's president is in a little bit of hot water because one of the largest, most respected international press freedom organizations has called out a series of statements that Mexico's president uh, has made. Uh, this is, they call him AMLO, the hmm. president AMLO. It's Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Uh, well, they just call him AMLO for short. But he said a couple of things. Uh, for negative media coverage that he's gotten, he told those journalists, if you don't stop it, quote, you know what will happen. Oh, not so veiled threat. Yeah, not, not, not so veiled not, threat. Not so veiled at all. Oh, and so like... Look, I don't want to be the person to say, like, everything bad that happens is Donald Trump's fault. But also, he's certainly emboldened uh, bad dudes around the world to do terrible things. And again, this whole fake news thing that Donald Trump really embraced and ran with, a lot of other terrible world leaders are embracing and running with it. And that's, that's pretty terrifying. Fair. Not the first leader. No, he's not. To... Look at the press, especially bad press, yeah, as the villain and try to vi- villainize them. That's fair, um, but very much so. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. He certainly has taken it to a new level. Sure, yeah, I think because of Twitter. Yeah, I would say. I would say that you know, with this, there we, there's a larger dissemination of information. We can look at the hashtag um, fake news. And yeah, we weren't able to before. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, no, that's absolutely know? true. Yeah. No, it's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, Twitter is bad. <laughs> Twitter uh, is bad. If there's anything, be very clear about that. From Twitter this conversation, it is Twitter is bad. I, I want to actually talk to you. We're going to take a very, very quick break, but I want to actually talk to you about your relationship with Twitter because oh, I have wow. a very complicated relationship. Okay, with do you have Twitter. a couch I can lay down on? Yeah, it's going to be like a therapy gonna, session. Just want you to get it all out. This is a safe space Ooh. for you to talk about okay. it. We're going to take a very, very quick break, and when we come back, Joanna Piacenza will be with us, uh, and we're going to psychoanalyze her social media habits. Stay tuned. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, it is the Bill Press Show. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today. Uh, my guest for the hour, the whole hour, you're going to be in hour. here. I can't wait for you to get sick of me. It's going to be so much fun. They could, it, it couldn't <laughs> possibly happen. Joanna Piacenza, she's the features editor for Morning Consult. 
You can check out uh, their good work at MorningConsult.com. Uh, and we'll be joined by joined by Brittany Shepard, who is uh, soon to be joining Yahoo News. Uh, she'll be with us uh, in about 30 minutes. Uh, before we took a break, and this is a good moment to plug that uh, we, we not all of the show goes live. If you're listening on Chicago, in Chicago, on WCPT, uh, you can get in the podcast. The first couple minutes of the show uh, are in the podcast, which you can get if you just look for the Bill Press Show in iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. But we were talking about our relationship with with Twitter. Twitter.com. Uh, right? <laughs> wow, that yeah. wasn't even planned. No, it wasn't. That was, that was yeah. purely organic. Yeah. I have a very complicated relationship with Twitter. Okay, do you want to go first? Do you want to talk about it? I will go first. Okay, you will go first. I will go first. Let's, I'll, let's I'll, I'll, I'll put it all out there. Yep. I got off of Twitter. Uh, really? Uh, uh, I'm still. I'm on it now. Wait a second. I'm back on it. I'm back on it. I'm back on it. <laughs> I got off of Twitter uh, in in about 2017, mm-hmm. and I was off of it for several months, mm-hmm. um, because it's just it's bad. It's really bad, and also, uh, you know. Bill is one of those people who has notifications set up anytime that Donald Trump tweets. Oh, interesting move. Interesting decision. Bold move. In, you're staying informed by, you know, what our president is saying. But informed? Interesting. Are you in, yeah, yeah. You're by what he's saying. Yeah, but he was saying. Thank you. But, you know, interesting move there. Yeah, I don't huh. care for it. I don't like it. Yeah. And I used to have the show account on my phone. And mm-hmm. I had to tell Bill, like, I'm taking it off. I can't have that. I can't have it. I really can't. And uh, so I got off of it. But then uh, I had to get back on it for for purposes of the show. We used to have somebody else who was, like, dealing with the Twitter stuff, and they left. So then I had to kind of take it over. And so I still am on it sometimes, but I'm not on it nearly as much as I used to be. And I definitely don't tweet that much. Okay, so what what are your, like, main – what are your qualms? What are your issues with it? Why don't you like it? Why do you say it's awful? Because I feel like it's very common, especially within our industry, to be like, oh, Twitter, the necessary evil. I, it, it, well, so I think you, there are a lot of bad takes that make me mad. <laughs> oh, on Twitter. So you read on the different Twitter. takes. So I read different like, takes. Okay. I'm like, oh, I get mad at that, right? Yeah. And it's just like, I understand that it sort of like um, equalizes mm-hmm. people's voices a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. But also, we don't have to have that all the time. Not not everybody should be saying something all the time. Not everyone should be on the same level. That's fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I like the equalizing to a degree and the democratization of it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, yeah, you got a bad take there. So my, my issue is not necessarily I read something, think it's a bad take, and immediately get upset. Because um, I feel like if I read something that's awful, I'm kind of like, I kind of tilt my head and I'm like, huh. Yeah. Why? Why are they saying these things? That's a take. Where are they? Where are they coming from? Like, where is this stemming from? Yeah. Um. Like, I have many questions as opposed to like getting upset. But like, my issue is that I struggle throughout the day, and I'm sure a lot of people do this. I struggle throughout the day, um, to find time where I am doing nothing. Yeah. My brain is doing nothing. Where I'm not thinking anything. Yes. And Twitter and Instagram, I don't have Instagram. Deleted Instagram. Best decision I've ever made. Good for you. Oh, really? Oh my gosh. See, that's the la- that's like the one that I like. Mm-hmm. I like I like the Instagram. Think about how much time you spend scrolling through these images. I and I feel like with Twitter, at least like professionally, I'm like, you know, helping um stay informed, helping share my work, connecting with other people professionally i can like rationalize it in my head with instagram i can't i'm like look pretty picture my best friend my best friend in the whole world i met through uh twitter 
Yeah. And yeah. Uh, romantic relationships. And sure, it happens. Twitter. It happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of uh, uh, show connections that uh, that I've made mm-hmm. um, through through Twitter. But I also get people who are mean to me on Twitter sometimes. Like this guy says, he just he he just he just tweeted at me. When was your first check modeling as Thanos? Uh-huh. Shit, the Cyprian, stop it! For those who could not hear. Yeah, Cyprian's this... la- I can hear Cyprian laughing in the other room. There was giggling in the studio. I don't look like <laughs> Thanos. First of all, Thanos doesn't have a beard. Who did we decide you look like? The guy from A Christmas Story. Was that it? Yes, that was it. Oh, Joanna, you're giving me a look. Joanna, why would you say that? So, by the way, Cyprian is the first person to say that. And you know what? I, I used to not have the beard. Yeah. When I didn't have the beard, somebody told me, and this is, I think, the most accurate one. Someone yeah. told me that I look like the dad from Family Circus. The, the cartoon? With, yeah, the cartoon with the glasses and the blonde oh, hair. Oh, Never been compared to a cartoon. Never compared someone to a cartoon. Although, I mean, goals is like always Daria. Like, let's always look like Daria. I wish I, wish I looked like yeah. Daria. Yeah. Well, Daria you know. was the best. Yeah. Good well, for you for knowing Daria. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, older millennial. Yeah, yeah same, yeah. same. Yeah. Anyway, uh, people say mean things to me. I, I don't, I don't like, I don't like it that way. I can understand that. I remember one of the first times I came on this lovely show mm. was to talk about the Die Hard analysis that I did. Analysis. It was a survey. It was analysis. It was a deep analysis. Analysis Stop is, it. Come is a on. stretch. I feel like I do a lot of deep data dives. This was not. <laughs> this was asking whether people thought Die Hard was a Christmas movie. And yeah. I, I swear to you, I have gotten, I got more hate tweets. And more like hate mail because of that article than anything else I've written. Religion. That's amazing. I just did this like huge piece on political correctness. Not did not receive as much hate mail on that. So I actually wanted to ask you about this oh, piece on political yes. correctness. Oh man. Uh, because we all know now because uh, Donald Trump uh, said that the Kentucky Derby was uh, uh, lost because of political correctness. I'm still trying to figure out what that means. It means nothing. Is I'm the still, answer. you know, don't try and figure out what it means. Sometimes that's why. Yes, I'm still trying. You to know figure what it means? It, out. it means he doesn't know how to spell Kentucky. Ah. He misspelled Kentucky. Hmm. The president of the United States, Kentucky being one of those United States, he doesn't know how to spell it. The one state I have trouble with, Connecticut. Connecticut. Yes. You have to remember the C. Connecticut. It's, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a silent C in I'm there. from the Midwest, so I'm not like familiar. Like I, I feel like if I grew up on like the East Coast, like I would have... I, I would know the spellings of these names, but you yeah. know, Wisconsin girl. I, That's okay. I don't know. Thank no, you're you. allowed. You're, I appreciate that. You're allowed. No, I'm not going. I'm not going to judge you for it. Okay, but thanks. you're also not the president of the United States yet. Yet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so talk to me about the political correctness of this country, because this is yeah. sort of a uh, like a rallying cry, especially among conservatives, that the PC culture yeah. is ruining the country. Uh, what what, yeah. what did you find? Well, I think it's it's quite common. You know, there are two types of ways to ask this question, um, which is, do you think there's a lot of political correctness in the country? And majorities of people, if you just ask it that way, I think it's like in the 70s of people say, yes, I think there's too much political correctness. Both Democrats and Republicans. I both kind of agree with that yes. a little yeah. bit, but like not in the sense of like the way that other people mean it. But go ahead. Sure. Um, another way to look at it, and this is like a common trend question that we ask at Morning Consult, is... Do you think there's too much political correctness or do you think there's too much prejudice ah. in the U.S. today? So you got to choose one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, through our own reporting, our own research, you know, reading multiple reports, we, we kind of know what the prejudice side is. People who say there's too much prejudice, we kind of know what they're talking about. But we weren't sure where people were speaking from when they said there's too much PC in the country today. 
Yeah. You know, like yeah, what, yeah, yeah, what does yeah, yeah. that mean exactly? Um, so we did a 13,000 person survey. Wow. Which is huge. It's it a took, big deal. It took a very long time to collect the responses <laughs> and to analyze them. This was, I think we've been, we've been working on this all year, like three month long project. Um, and basically kind of the, you know, too long, didn't read kind of, you know, take away from this. So, yeah, sure. Because I could talk about this the entire hour. We I'm could, into, we it. Get into no, it. No, I'm into it. Is that, you know. We're rolling I'll, in the deep. Let's do it. A lot of political correctness is all about, you know, when people speak about it, when they complain about it, it's the words we can and can't use, right? It's specific wording, specific phrases, specific rhetoric. But the changes, the differences between those two people, the people who said there's too much prejudice and too much political correctness, they weren't over free speech in the Mm. survey. They were over perceptions of who has privilege in this country and whether or not discrimination, racism, and sexism are taken as seriously as they should be. So they're essentially speaking, people who are speaking and saying there's too much PC in this country are speaking from a place of differing opinions about privilege and differing opinions about discrimination. I mean, it's a complicated issue. Sure, yeah. uh, Which is why you probably talked to 13,000 people. Yes, all of them. Wow. Yeah. I mean, here's here's one of my more problematic takes, and I have a couple, uh, is you see... You should tweet them. <laughs> uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. I don't think. I don't think I could take it. I'm yeah. too fragile. Yeah. But uh, one of my more problematic takes, or a problematic take that I have is, you hear Republicans talk all the time about snowflakes, snowflakes, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and and it's overused. But at the same time, there are some people who get offended or get upset at like kind of innocuous things. Mm. You know what I mean? One of the more interesting. So, things, like, I'm not trying to yeah. be that guy to be like, "Oh, PC culture is yeah. ruining everything," but also, like, there, so the PC culture I think has swung a little too far in the other direction. Yeah, and one of the questions that we asked was, you know, the current climate, like, what we can and can't say, is changing so fast that it's hard to give up, hard yeah. to keep up. Excuse me. And majorities of people who said there's too much PC, and majorities of people who said there's too much prejudice agreed with that sentence so even kind of people who you would traditionally call as liberals people who you would traditionally think as democrats people who say people who are snowflakes even then you know quote unquote snowflakes they even <laughs> they say there's you know it's changing so rapidly like i can't keep up with the words i can and can't say so there was still some agreement on there but. yeah i mean words and, and, and actions these days are under such a microscope and it what what's really funny to me is like I think it, it a lot of this really st- I mean it's been going on for a while but I think a lot of it really started under like when Barack Obama was president right and he felt like he had to run a very buttoned up thing you can't do anything wrong you can't say anything wrong I remember like when he said that you know this police officer that arrested Henry Louis Gates for trying to get into his own mm-hmm. house acted stupidly mm-hmm. and people were just like oh oh this is horrible. Uh, but now we've we've come to this era where Donald Trump is president and like nothing he says is PC. Nothing he says is like thoughtful or having other people in mind when he says it. But that's, I think, part of his appeal to voters is that people feel like rhetoric is frozen. People feel like they can't say what they really mean about certain things. Yeah. And here comes this guy who just completely blows the top off. You know, they like him for that. If people feel as though they can't say certain things and they see a guy saying things they wish they could, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's get him in charge. I, I've, I've said this for a long time, and people get mad at me. I, I, I 100% get the appeal of Donald mm-hmm, Trump. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I 100%. In fact, uh, when he got into the race, I said, right, 
like the day after, I said he's going to be the Republican nominee. Yeah, yeah. I, I I knew it was going but to happen. One more thing from this survey because there's like 30 things we could talk about, but I think you would find this particularly interesting. We did this interesting priming experiment, and priming is within surveys when you essentially tell a respondent something to either influence intentionally or unintentionally their answer. Yeah. So one of the things within PC culture is in group versus out group. If I see you as part of my in-group because you're white mm -hmm. and we are both white, mm -hmm. um, I have more compassion for you. But if I see you as part of my out-group, you are male and I'm female, I have less compassion for you. So depending on how you frame it, you could either be part of my in-group or part of my out-group. Oh, okay. So oh, we, that's interesting. Yeah. So I would have more compassion for you if I essentially view, view you as similar to me. Yeah, We're yeah, very yeah, narcissistic yeah. individuals, all of us. Yeah, uh, fair. No, that's, that's fair. That's, that's the big takeaway. So we asked half the um, respondents this question, do you believe politicians should be able to say the values of Islam go against those of the U.S.? Mm -hmm. Agree, disagree. Then we primed the other half of the survey with the sentence, many Muslims are U.S. veterans. Oh, interesting. So essentially taking Muslims, which are traditionally an outgroup for Republicans. Sure, yes. And making them part of their in-group. Republicans traditionally have more compassionate views of veterans. Yes. Um, there was a 40-point swing Whoa! in those two groups, whether a politician should be able to say that. And honestly, like I, we talked to a dozen political scientists for this, for this survey, including people that specialize in polling, and there were like jaws being dropped. So there is this ray of hope within political correctness, within PC culture, which is that if you start to see a group as part of your in-group, suddenly you're okay limiting parts of free speech. That is right? fascinating. Yeah, and it goes that both ways. Fascinating. It's, it's not just Republicans. We did we asked questions about toxic masculinity mm. to kind of trigger Democrats, mm -hmm. um, and it worked. Um, so it, it, you should take a look at the piece because it's it's very intensive. But um, there was, I think, six different questions that we asked. And the, the Islam question um, and the toxic masculinity question were kind of the two big questions to trigger um, party ID. Uh, I, 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 that that's just completely blew my mind. You can read uh, this piece at morningconsult.com, or, of course, you can always follow Joanna on the sewer, that is Twitter. Sewer, that uh, is Twitter. Uh, uh, Jay Piacenza uh, on, on Twitter. Um, okay, so... Uh, the, the whole triggering thing that mm. you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. I want to get into that a little bit because that's that, of course, is one of these things that like now politics for Republicans seem to exist purely as what can we do to trigger the libs? Mm. Like that that is kind of how a lot of Republicans govern these days, it, it, in, in my mind. Go on. Speak more. Uh, so. I'm so when when you talk about triggering, sure. yeah. uh, in, in, in mm. like in, uh, uh, with relation to this, mm -hmm. what exactly are we talking about? In relation to this to the survey, basically what we're trying to do is, you know, Republicans have more negative views of Muslims, mm. so we would assume that Republicans would agree more that politicians should be able to say that. Yeah, and Republicans are also more likely to agree that there's too much political correctness. Those yeah. who said there's too much PC are overwhelmingly white. Yeah. They're overwhelmingly male. They're overwhelmingly conservative yeah. and overwhelmingly supportive of Trump. Sure. They're also just overwhelmingly <laughs> white and male. 47%. Let's be honest. Uh, we are nature's cruelest mistake. <laughs> Nearly half of the people who said there's too much political correctness are white men compared to like roughly a third of the population overall. 
I wonder why that would be. I don't know. I'm huh. not sure. I mean, look, I, it, I, I've said this many times. This, this here, this is a powerful drug. Yes. It's a powerful drug, being yeah. a white man. It's not bad. i got to be yeah. honest. I mean, it's, it's messed up, but like, it's, it's not bad. It's I mean, I, th- I think there's some stuff. really important you know, underlying conversations happening about you know, white men hold the majority of the power in this country. Yeah. And when they see that power being disseminated into, you know, into spaces that they're not familiar with, into people that don't look exactly like them, um, there's a culture of fear and anxiety. Yeah, that yeah. No, I mean, there, a yeah. lot of the decisions that get made in this yeah. country is because there are scared white men behind yeah. them. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Oh uh, yeah. That should be that should be somebody's presidential campaign. Make my, make white men scared again. No, yeah, yeah. I'd vote for him. Yeah, as a white man. Well, but I live in fear all the time. So sure. Anyway, let's switch gears. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we we were gonna have you on the show a couple weeks ago because I wanted to talk to you about Game of Thrones. You don't oh. you don't want oh wait, wait before I, before I do that I want to get into the Game of Thrones stuff before I do that. So uh, the royal baby has apparently made an appearance. Did you yes, about this? they showed the, they the showed they showed the royal baby this morning, baby Sussex. Uh, <laughs> no, that's just, that's what they're calling it, baby I know, Sussex. But but you mentioning Game of Thrones and then baby Sussex, yeah, right? I'm just like wait a second. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, no, no, seriously. This is how unfamiliar I am both with British royalty and Game of Thrones. Uh, here's a hot take. Uh, this is the only thing you're going to hear me say about the royal baby. I couldn't give a ripe F about what's happening with the royal baby. Fair. McKenna disagrees with me. She's I all in. I disagree. You're all in. I'm all in. I'm all in for reasons of what their marriage and their child represents. Absolutely. Here's the thing, though. Yes. The monarchy is completely insane. And they're a bunch of inbred weirdos that we shouldn't be worshiping and and following their every move. That's my take. What's your take? (laughs) I I think it's different. I mean, you're like comparing apples to oranges. I mean, them apart from the monarchy is different. And no, they're part of it. No, they are the monarchy. No, they are. But I'm saying you're just like umbrelling it, and it's. I am. That's fair. It's there. There are prominent good people doing good things around the world. Look at yeah. This is why it's like I can't talk. No, I'm sorry. No, you. No, I I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. no, no. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, Look, the birth of a child is a big deal, and and it should be celebrated. Birth of a child. That's yeah. That's that's, your mindset is just kind of. What is it? The the birth of one of the first. I don't think the first, but one of the first biracial children. In, okay, no, that's, that's cool. I, I I get that. Congratulations yeah. to them. That's yes. cool. <laughs> but in terms of representation... But what does it mean? In terms of representation, that means a lot, I uh. think, to not only black Americans, but black individuals within the UK. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I'll, I'll give yeah. you that. I'll give you that. But I also think the whole thing, the whole monarchy is... Yeah, I mean, I mean the 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 uproar when Kate Middleton gave birth, you know, that who? was Kate Middleton. I don't she know. is. <laughs> who is? I don't know who that is. Come on. Oh, oh no, no, she's the other son. The the other. Okay, no, that's right. I don't keep up. With, I really don't keep up with this. There were people who had like viewing parties at like three in the morning when she when they got married, right? Oh yeah, remember that. Yeah, I do. I got up early. It's crazy and I people. Watched, These are... I watched the wedding. I know. Oh my god! Joanna, the, look, the look of shock and not. disappointment. I'm so I'm sorry. You I know what? I'm not mad. You. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Oh. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I did. I mean, it was. I mean, the the marriage of Harry and Meghan was also very historical. Just, so so is... I'm just going to say that, and I'm going to stick to it. Sick people. Did I care about the dress she was wearing? Sick people. Sure. Sick people. Did you hear about the rumors? Is, is Harry cheating on her? 
or uh, William. Putin. William, yeah. yes. Ooh, let's let's. Of dive. course he is. He's, a, he's part of the monarchy. This. Why oh. wouldn't he? This is what they do. They're 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 a bunch of inbred hicks. Supposedly he cheated on her with her best friend. Mm-hmm. Oh well, that's just oh insane. Snap. Yes, this is sloppy. Really, that's sloppy. Yeah. That's just bad form. A little sloppy. Yeah. But also, like, who else would you cheat on her with? You know, like a random person. Literally anybody else than her best friend. <laughs> That's fair. I'm not defending it. No, no, no I know, I know, saying, I know, I know. I'm just I know, saying like, someone with his uh, awareness, public persona. You can't just like, you know, talk to a random girl on the street. They're gonna be like, "Oh my god, that was Prince William." You just do what everybody does in the monarchy. If you have an affair, you just kill the person you had an affair with. That way, they can't talk. Sage advice. Sage advice. Whoa. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what's so hard about this. I don't know what's so hard about this. I mean, this is not like an uncommon thing for for uh, people in the, in the monarchy. I'm kidding. First of all, let me just say, for anybody that's triggered record. by that, I was kidding. It's on the record now. You can't go back. Yeah, the Twitter trolls are The Twitter trolls. Out. Fine. Fine. I'm not reading. I'm shutting down my comments. No one can comment. Uh, oh, no. Brittany Shepard is going to be joining us in the next segment, and she just tweeted... Let me talk about the baby. Yes. I'm so Team gonna, Brittany. I'm we're gonna, Team Brittany and we're gonna Team Baby. Take this conversation and we're going to put it over here for when Brittany joins us here in about uh, five minutes or so. Excellent. We'll get into that. Uh, but what, what I originally started talking about was Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Uh, which you do not watch. I do not. I am a never Game of Throner. Okay. Um, actually, no, have that's a lie. Have you ever watched an episode? That's a lie. I am. I have watched. That is. A, that was horrible of me. I've watched a few seasons. Like one and two. So I'm not a Never Game of Thrones. I'm a current current okay. n- non Game of Thrones. I've okay. watched. I didn't watch because it's on late, and I just was had been too busy. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, there is a there is a big difference between the early seasons and now. That's what I've heard. Yeah, it's like, like the early seasons were like nerdy, cool yeah. stuff that I'm like extremely into, and now it's just like Avengers. I mean, you can't like yeah, that's what I've heard too. You can't escape the culture of Game of Thrones. Yeah. I don't watch it, but when I go to work Monday all day. It's all impossible. day. That's whatever. It's impossible. It's impossible about. to escape. Um, but now it's just kind of like it. What's the the best critique I've heard and had people like back up is that right now it it sounds like it was written by like fan fiction. Yeah. Like it's very cheesy in a lot of ways. Which Super cheesy. I don't know enough about Game of Thrones to understand how it's cheesy, but like there's a bunch of like romantic relationships happening that are weird, and it just seems yeah like exoticism for the sake of exoticism is that fair to say that's super fair to say okay. uh I, I still get some enjoyment out of it but also now that like everybody's on the train i'm like when I, I am that person who's like oh everyone likes it now now i don't like it yeah but but in this case in particular it it definitely did there was a shift in the show like mm-hmm. it got progressively dumber um uh, <laughs> and, and, and i don't mean to like I'm not saying if you watch it, you're dumb, but like there was when it first started, it was for nerds. It so was for geeks. This is the thing. And I, I, and I, and yeah. I put myself in that category, by the way. I'm not judging. I feel like this happens with every TV show, yeah. but like I did not expect it. Yeah. I did not expect it I from know. Game of Thrones. <laughs> I expected Like of all I expected the shows. Better. Like I don't even watch it, but like, you know, have some dignity. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. finish strong. And it does not seem like they're finishing strong. I heard one of the dragons died. Is that true? Spoiler alert! Oh, sorry, I don't know. But no, one of the dragons is dead. Okay. Well, one My of them bad. is one I'm of them so is sorry. assumed. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I don't believe in spoiler okay. alert uh, culture. Okay. I don't even watch. Plus, everybody's watching game. Exactly. That's the thing. But you and I'm sure you heard about the Starbucks cup. I'm so nervous for the Game of Thrones tweets that are going to come my way now. 
Find her at, on Twitter at uh, <laughs> JP Achinza on Twitter.com. Um, but uh, uh, did you see this thing about the Starbucks cup? Love it. I, it's, Love it's like the best thing ever. Everything about it. It's the it, best thing ever. Including the fact that it wasn't a Starbucks cup. Wait, what? Really? It was from Craft Services. <gasps> really? But it looks like Starbucks a Starbucks cup. Like a coffee cup has become so ubiquitous. They've I become know. like that Starbucks just assumed. Well, it, it was a white cup with white. Uh, it was a white, white cup white. with a brown <laughs> sleeve on it, which is just like what you would get at Starbucks uh, or any other coffee shop. Though. Right. It's you're, right. you're right. You're absolutely right. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's estimated that Starbucks got 2.3 billion dollars in free advertising because of this. What? Isn't that insane? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's bonkers. Yeah. Crazy. Good for them. I mean, brands have been trying for years to figure out yeah. how to product place within Game of Thrones. And you no, can't. Nobody could do it. Starbucks did it without, without even, even doing, doing it. it. And without even, like, it's not even being their product. Like, kudos to them. Well done. Oh, man. This is Starbucks week. People are mad at me. So KG just tweeted, uh, are you really bashing Game of Thrones? I'm, I don't want to say I'm bashing it. I still buy into it. I still watch it and I enjoy it. But I, it's the same way that I like. I watch all of the, the Marvel movies. Like They're not mm. good movies. Ooh. Wow. I, lo- I love them. I love them. They are well-made okay. movies, okay. but none of them should ever be nominated for like an Oscar. Sure. Well. The Black Panther was... <laughs> And Black Panther is the best, probably the best Marvel movie. Fair. And it's an excellent, excellent movie. Should it be up for best picture? No, absolutely not. Hmm. One of the reasons that they. But I love it. But, I think it's great. I, I went on. Yeah. I, I've gone on opening night to like every Marvel movie in the last like six years or so. Really? I really have. But wow. I, I here's the thing. Here's here's the dirty little secret. I'm like a comic book kid, and yeah. I loved comic books when I was a kid, but now I've got a teenager, an 11-year-old, yeah. and I can just be like, oh, I have to go on opening night because my kids want to go. Darn kids. But really, it's me. I really like going. Don't you love blaming things on your children? It's the best. Like, I don't have children. I can't wait to have them specifically for that reason. It's a great cop out. Yeah. It's yeah. a great, oh, I screwed this up. I thought the kid would, yeah, yeah, it's the kid's fault. Everything kid's is fault. the kid's fault. Yeah. But the thing is, you have to let the kids know it's their fault, right? Mm. You have to make sure they understand. And wow, know. really dig in. I'm kidding. <laughs> don't do that to your kids. Why did I even say that? I don't know. I don't know where that came from. But I'm really enjoying. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Unless they actually do. advice. Look, I'm a terrible parent. That's but I'm not ve- true. I always say I'm very hands on, mm. but I'm not great at it. Hmm. Maybe one of these days I'll get. I'm. I think I'm a fine parent. I'm. I'm I think that that should be the name of your memoir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very hands on, but, but I'm pretty I'm bad. Pretty, pretty, pretty bad at it. I'm trying. Pretty bad. Everybody's just trying. Yeah. Everybody's doing their best. Wow. That's the motto that I've taken on, especially post uh, the Trump election. Mm. Everybody's just trying their best. Mm. I don't judge anybody. All right, let's take a break. We're going to talk about baby names. We're going to talk about Tiger Woods at the White House. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. Uh, Joanna Piacenza stays with us for the rest of the hour. And Brittany Shepard, soon to be from uh, Yahoo News, will be in studio with us for the rest of the hour. We're going to take a very, very quick break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. It's Bill Price Show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in here on a Wednesday, May 8th. It's my mom's birthday, by the way. 
she's not watching the show. Oh, wow. She does not watch the show. Wow. Um, but I remembered it was her birthday when I saw this piece of paper here that said Wednesday, May 8th. <laughs> but I do have her, I, I, I do get my mom the same gift every year for her birthday. Uh, so it's already been taken care of. It's oh. easy peasy. Wednesday. I get her a subscription to Birchbox. Oh, that's nice. A fashionable Oh, mother. that's very nice. I have my uh, subscription to Birchbox, which I love and I've had for probably like six years now. Oh, that I, you use. I do use. Oh, wow. Why you look so shocked, Joanna? Um, nothing. No reason. I feel like it's a little off brand. We were talking earlier, uh, McKenna and I, because now that the weather has gotten warmer, Mm. moisturizer season is out. It's out. (laughs) It's serum season. It is is serum season. I know. Now that it's warmer, you use serum. I use serum when it gets warmer. This man is hip. I mean, look at that. When people look at this face, (laughs) they think skincare. (laughs) They're like, that's a serum man. Someone on Twitter said I look like Thanos today. Which huh. I didn't love. Isn't he purple? Isn't he is purple. And <laughs> okay. he also doesn't have a beard. <laughs> okay. But he is very strong and powerful. True. So that's what I'm going to take away from it. Oh, doesn't he like destroy like a, a bunch of humanity? Me too. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have so much in common. Uh, joining us uh, is Joanna Piacenza, still in the uh, uh, in, in the guest chair for the rest of the hour. She is from Morning Consult. But joining us is Brittany Shepard. And let me be the first to say thank you and congratulations because you're here on vacation. I am. Because you, uh, the last time we talked to you, you were working with Washingtonian, mm-hmm. and you were about to start with our good friends at Yahoo. Yahoo, yes. I mm-hmm. am at Yahooligan, as un- I think, unfortunately, is our nickname. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank That's you so, so great. Much. I'm so excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. You'll be joining our good friend, uh, Hunter Walker, Texas Ranger, <laughs> uh, covering all things politics. Yes. Uh, uh, focus on 2020, a focus on like Hollywood money in 2020, the overlap of culture and politics, some features. Feature length things, kind of like where we are in the, like these cultural threshold moments, uh, what Me Too might mean for the campaign, kind of identity politics, things like these kind of big ideas that are hard for people to pin down and kind of speak of in an articulate way. I'm going to at least get like one inch of that conversation. So you're going to be like, awesome. I'm on the trail. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be like the best La Quinta in <laughs> user. Yeah, yeah. So this is my first campaign I've ever covered. Uh, obviously, it was covering the White House for my entire political career, pretty much. So I've never really been on the road kind of moving and grooving. So it'll be really exciting. I always tell people this, and I, and, and I will now extend the same offer to you, for people that are out on the campaign trail. Because I also, aside from doing this show, I write about uh, food mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, for a couple different publications. I'll always tell political reporters on the campaign trail where to eat, wherever Ooh, they're going. I'm always hungry. So, you know, if you like... Same. El Paso or anything like I'm gonna know like where the good grub when is. When people go to South Carolina, I know South Carolina very very well. Okay, so a lot of people are gonna be in South Carolina and Charleston specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll be here for you. Perfect. That's all I'm gonna Charleston say. Charleston is such a food scene right now. It's it has such like. a food scene. Yeah, that'd be a good place. It's to a do. big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I, I I everywhere I go I know about this stuff. Okay, so perfect. Well, I know same. who I'm hitting up when I'm going to these different cities. I'm here for you. So we're gonna talk some politics. We're sure. gonna talk about. Uh, the White House, uh, Tiger Woods getting the uh, Medal of Freedom this year, but uh, you you were very mad at me. I will. <laughs> that's very broad these days. You're very mad at me. Yeah, tell, well, tell us why. Well, people are people are always generally kind of mad at me, but tell me the why. Well, now. the the Meghan Markle anger, the baby name anger. Well, the thing that I hear this argument a lot from Americans. Um, I'm American too, but dad is British, so I grew up in like this dual nationality household. My wife uh, is British. Oh well, good. We're halfway there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, is that you know. 
who cares? We fought a war for this revolutionary war. Like the you know the royals are messed up in which they are. But we, That's I don't. Me. You will, exactly. That's me. Just to, I, I'm, I'm the clod who who says you know, that. These inbreeding people, which again is I, true. Yes. But like idol worship, <laughs> I think is you know no stronger than it is in America. Look at how we treat sports stars. We're letting you know football players kind of kill themselves. Yes. You know, just for fan worship in in a different way than people I think are kind of without fault, just enjoying seeing someone, seeing a black woman, a mixed woman kind of play princess. And I know that representation, you're like, well, is that the representation we need? But I think having just a little bit is more than having nothing. Yeah. And like, I think American Idol worship can get very negative. It can get, you know, people kill each other over yeah. like the, the Mets. It's not worth it. Mr. No. Met ain't worth it, right? <laughs> and and so I think that people kind of misdirect their anger when like I really like want to question, well, what exactly are you angry about? You know, that's a very, very, very fair point. I just, from my perspective, what I want to say is, I think that idol worship across the board, whether it like here in America or wherever, is the silliest thing. It's well, just the silliest. Sure, thing. but I think if people are going to do it anyway, right? So they're, if they're going to de delight in silliness. Perhaps they do it like, you know, because I also had a world wedding watch party. I am also a crazy person. So, so two, <laughs> two out of three people in this room had a yeah. royal wedding watch party. Right. Oh, no, no, no. My royal wedding watch party was getting up early, <laughs> going to the couch, making coffee, and watching it. That was the whole party. There what time, was, what time did no the wedding happen? Events. What time did you have to get up for this? There were people who... Like, that like, like, well, for like three or four. Mm. Well, Because we, we wanted Once to watch all the pre-shows. You know, it's like Super Bowl. You've got to watch the pre-shows and the red carpet, the guests yeah. come in. Because there's, there's all this seating politics. So, like, who's got put in the cheap seats? Like, Elton really? John was in the back. He did not get a good seat. Then, like, who was in the front? Why should Elton John be up front? I guess he's a friend of They're the They're a friend. Well, Serena Williams got a good seat. She's that billionaire money Didn't, now. like, George Clooney and his wife. Yeah, Maul and George were there. Seats, yeah, right? Yeah, they had great they, seats. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, see, you could have been in this conversation if you were watching the wedding. You know what? I'm okay with it. <laughs> That's why you have us, right? That's why you book us. I'm okay with it. So, we were going to, you, you tweeted uh, uh -huh. in jest, but now we're going to actually do it. You, uh -huh. We're going to talk about the, the baby names. Yeah, Baby Sussex. Baby Sussex. Yes. Uh, they had said that they were going to do like a, a, a non-traditional name. That there was a rumor going around. I yeah. think it was in the Daily Mail saying that you know they're going to do make it like Willow or Apple or like a very Los Angelesy mm. name where she's from LA and then she went to Northwestern, so she has this kind of you know modern look. But I think what's probably more common is that they want to do a name uniting the U.S. and the U.K. Something that would work there and here. And I'm not quite sure what that is. Yeah. Lots of memes online about what the name could be. Like Paul Revere, perhaps. <laughs> um, or like, you know, F off Piers Morgan was a big one. I, you know, I saw so Uniting. There is a common <laughs> hatred of that guy for, between both of our countries. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for names that are unconventional. I'm, yeah. I'm all for it. So, but I also just don't care well, what they name their child. I think that's pretty fair. I think like, if you fall in the, I'm not, I'm not really like so jazzed about what the baby's name is. Like I'm not gonna, you know, like, like pitchfork you. Um, but I think it will be a time for right now when like there isn't like everyone's saying Megan's really modern as a princess or not soon to be maybe princess. Um, she really actually can't show how modern she is in many ways. Like she's still very much controlled by the Kensington royal family. But so maybe which is why, I, which is one of the reasons why I think this is all just so gross. Mm. 
Like, she's not speaking for... I don't want to say she's not speaking for herself. I mean, she clearly is, you know, able to... There is some, like, industrial light and magic in between, you know, daylight and what we're actually seeing. Yeah. But she might be able to control the name of her own son, and that might be something where she could show her... Maybe. 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 But, like, we're about to see. Yeah. So, like, I think that's kind of the exciting thing is, like, how much will her heritage in the wedding you saw it was like it was a black wedding like you know never gonna see that that's why people were asleep they were confused <laughs> when, when that preacher hit minute seven they were yeah. really concerned oh my god i was watching with my family up in new york and my my mom is from Trinidad and my dad is british and it was like it felt really affirming for a family like us we're like that was kind of like the culture we grew up in this like mixed culture so she is trying to shake things up it's just like you know a mile is like a hundred miles over there, so. And there's all these like reports talking about how she's so disrespectful, how she's pushing the limits, how she's you know being this essentially modern, yeah. strong, or like woman. angry black woman. I'll just exactly. say it's like super coded. You, yeah. know, the, you know, the British media is known for being you know kind oh, and polite, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and reserved all the time. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, it's like like a lot of race baiting tabloids, but that's not new for the Sun or any other right. like you know. Murdoch's own publication in in the UK, so it, it's been interesting to see this narrative. But I'm also not surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also been like there was with um, Kate and Will, like so much like blindly pro royal stuff from the US, which even I'm a little bit like, what do you guys even know about this? <laughs> right. Like Elle is like, you know, Meghan Markle, our our queen, like stands again. And I was like, what? <laughs> Some of it's disingenuous, you know. Oh, so the the yeah. media around it has been really interesting to me. Yeah. And you know, like there was a big. Uh, kerfuffle when Trump wasn't invited to the wedding. So it's like, oh, are you guys going to invite Obama and not Trump? And like, what does this mean? Is he going to be twisting about it? And I Why actually think he's not w- so twisted about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why on earth would Trump be invited to that wedding? It's the leader of the co- leader of a powerful country, the there most powerful other. country yeah, in yeah. the world. Yeah, okay, fair. Usually, world leaders go. Okay, do, do they? I, I honestly would. I honestly, I don't. I didn't wake up to watch the royal wedding. Uh, there's a rumor that the Obamas were invited, and they said no because they didn't want to make it seem as though they were invited. There is reporting that indicated that that because sure, yeah. the Obama, uh, the Obama, Barack Obama, and uh, <laughs> we just call him the, the Obama. Obama. The, yeah. they, they you know, inside, you know, this town, you know, yeah. the Obama. <laughs> um, Barack Obama did a podcast with Harry uh, about mm. um, like. You know, being a good person and advocating for others, and I so like they've always kind of been closer than many world leaders and many royals. Mm. But I think if they went, they kind of would like co-opted the show, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I'm, I I have no personal indication if he was actually invited or just followed the role. Yeah. Okay, folks, we're gonna close the door on the royal way. I think are that's fair. Sure? Yeah. Are, are we sure? done? Does anybody else have any takes have, they want to fire I think off? We have twenty more minutes of this. <laughs> Anybody have yeah. any more takes they want to fire off the royal wedding? Speak now or forever hold your peace. We're moving on. Okay. okay. Uh, so let's talk about Tiger Woods. Yeah, my favorite. Tiger, 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 Tiger Woods, y'all. He was at the White House uh, earlier this week. Donald Trump. He just won the Masters. What was that like three weeks ago? Yeah, it feels it feels it was super fresh. Yeah, very very fresh. He just won the Masters, and Donald Trump decided I'm going to award him the Medal of Freedom. He is the first active athlete. To receive this award. Yes, yeah, so most athletes, most people, like this, it's a really high civilian honor. I believe yeah, the highest it's civilian, the highest, highest civilian yeah, you honor. Get. Um, get it at the end of their career. Like also, like Arnold Palmer got it like late into his life, and like it's really interesting. There was an amazing story that came out in the New York Times, I believe, yesterday about how Trump has always kind of been in Tiger Woods' periphery and like really trying to hang on to his star from like the beginning of of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he capitalized. He jumped three weeks, like you said. Boom. You know. 
Tiger Woodson's Masters. Oh, come to the White House. Like Boom. I am, I am part of being a kingmaker. And you know, Trump really loves being kingmaker. And right now, he uh, has a lot of forces against him in his kingdom right now. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of in his mind. I, I mean, I can't pretend to know exactly what the president thinks, but my understanding of the situation is that he was able to have an easy win for his base. And guess what? Like Tiger Woods is black or black enough for Trump's base. So it's yep. like, okay, can I score two points on the way out? Yeah, And Trump, I, I think he did. Trump knows that. Absolutely. He knows exactly what he's doing. Like tr Trump gets a lot of heat for being an idiot. And a lot of it is deserved. But he also is, like, he he knows how to make every situation, to maximize every opportunity to, to his benefit. Well, that's been his career. Yeah, I mean, look exactly. at this, like, blowout story in the New York Times about how he's been, like, losing money since the 1970s, 1980s. Some yep. people say, well, we've, we've been new, like, we've known this. But he's able to, he is, like, such... Uh, an economizer of the the attention economy. It's how he part of why he won the election. He can just capture attention so 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 well. Um, and Tiger Woods is no exception. Yeah. Uh, it's just to me very interesting. Is you know, obviously Tiger Woods is like a notable philanderer. Not that that upsets his game at all. He's a really good golfer in many respected circles. But his wife attacked his car with, <laughs> with a, a go golf club. Good for her. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Her. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, and Trump very notably stuck by Tiger during all this. You know, the tweets are there. Like, if you want to tweet, look at real Donald Trump, at Tiger Woods. But what's particular about this case, besides, like, the kind of zany, all politics and just entertainment narrative, is that Tiger Woods is actually kind of a business partner of Donald Trump and never has the president given the Presidential Medal of Freedom to a business partner. Oh, we've been friends, I, I believe, Obama gave Oprah and yeah. even Joe Biden, like, you know, yeah. it's like a way to honor people who have kind of come up with you, yeah. but never somebody who you could directly profit off of, yeah. which, you know, these days the president may, doesn't really shouldn't like meddle into those waters, but still he does. It's not gonna, yeah, yeah, it's not going to stop him <laughs> no. at all. I mean, look, I will say this about Tiger Woods. He's done more for the game of golf than probably anybody in the history of the sport of golf. Absolutely. I used to be a golfer. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was a kid, I was like a really good golfer, by the way. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just. Throw that, yeah, to throw that in right. there if I yeah. could. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but I don't play that much anymore. Uh, but like, it, he was, he, it was just like an explosion onto the golf scene. And then he had this notorious fall from grace. Mm -hmm. uh, and winning the Masters again is like, a, it's a really big deal, despite all of the terrible things that Tiger Woods has done publicly mm -hmm. uh, to his family and things like that. I mean, it's it, it, it should be celebrated. Should he be getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom? Not so sure. Not at this point, anyway. Yeah, it's a little early in his career, I would think. I'm not. Yeah, a big I mean, golf, you mentioned golf the, the golf guys that have have gotten these awards. Jack Nicklaus uh, got an award. Mm -hmm. Arnold Palmer. I was just talking about Arnold Palmer earlier because it's he, not only was he a great golfer, he created a wonderful drink. I love that drink. Yeah. I just had an Arnie Palmy yesterday. Aww. I had some leftover tea from making my kombucha, and I just boom made a little Aww. Arnie Palmy. Set on the Before back or porch. after the serums? Uh, I had serum on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I had my evening wow. serum. Oh yeah. My wow. evening serum. Well, sure. well, some of them are like a revival. Vitalizing serum. You don't want to put those on before you go to bed because then you're gonna have a restless night of sleep. So this right. is more of a calming situation. Oh, I want to know your masking routine. I do. I use a mask. I know, but which mask? A, co like a, co a collagen. A collagen mask. mask. Interesting. My hair has never looked better since when I started taking collagen peptides oh. with my. Uh, with my, my sister told me to do that. I feel like we're in goop right now. I'm telling you, yeah. your hair is gonna look great. Your hair yeah. looks great. Both of your hair. Are Thank looks great. you. But mine looks really good because <laughs> I do the collagen <laughs> peptides. All right, let's be clear. And I'm also like at that point in my life where I'm starting to lose a little bit up top. Mm. So the, the collagen helps. Yeah. Interesting.
The, Arnold Palmer, I, though. I wish <laughs> everybody saying... could see the look on McKenna's face. Just repulsed. Derailing. Repulsed by this conversation. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I just want everyone to know that this is the conversation that I always have with Peter. It's just him talking about how wonderful his skincare, his uh, hair regimen Well, no, is. that's not fair. I don't see how wonderful it is. It's just important. <laughs> Very important. Touche. Worth worth multiple tangents during sure. during multiple conversations this hour. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Yeah. Um, but this the, the the whole Tiger Woods uh, Medal of Freedom thing it, it gets to to like this is what Donald Trump really wants to do. He doesn't want to lead the country. He doesn't want to like put big ideas out there. He just wants to like, you know, hang out with really important famous people and show how important and famous he is. Um, I would definitely say that it's probably part of it. It's a big part of it's it. It's a big yes. part of it. Um, I do I do think that like when the president, he wants to lead when he can easily score those goals, right? Like he wants a goalie-less playing field. Um, so when he can win big for himself, he will. And this is just a really, really obvious extension of that. And because a lot of things we don't see. A lot of it's like behind closed doors or through leaks and everything. And here it's like, nope, you can see the president... But you can see his thought process very, 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 very um, actively. And yeah. I think that's rare. That's rare for us these days. Yeah. We don't get briefings anymore. We don't have press availabilities anymore. So now we kind of have to shout out questions at a Tiger Woods presser. <laughs> yeah. It's a new normal. Uh, okay, let's switch gears a sure. little bit uh, because you're going to be covering 2020 stuff. Can we talk a little, just a little bit of 2020 news? Sure. Uh, Joe Biden seems to be the front runner at this point. We should all say it's very early uh, and anything could happen. But um, we had Adam Wolner on mm -hmm. uh, from McClatchy earlier, and we were talking about there are sort of two factions of the Democratic Party when you look at the primary. There are the... Uh, Things are not normal anymore. We need some crazy, weird ideas to shake up the party. We almost need to go back to the days of, like, FDR and all of that versus, like, everything was good and nice for a lot of Democrats under Barack Obama. We just want that again. We just want to be able to go to brunch. The hopey, changey Democrats. The hopey, changey. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, that's kind of how I've, I've been seeing it. Joe Biden firmly puts himself in the hopey, changey ca camp. Oh, yeah, because there is an argument to be made that he or he's trying to make. He's like, well, I am not Obama, but I am an extension of his ideals. And if you thrived under President Barack Obama, it wasn't in like in no short form because of me as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, know that all these other people want you to believe in them. Well, you already believed in me and look at my results. Yeah. And the way that many women candidates are like, well, you don't think I'm flexible. I've already been elected. Uh, it's like the similar argument they're making. But obviously, Joe Biden is overshadowing women for probably a lot of the obvious reasons and some less than obvious reasons. It, it is really interesting when you look at this field of Democratic candidates. You have uh, the first openly gay uh, candidate. You have uh, Kamala Harris, who is an African-American woman. Uh, you have multiple women running this time around. Kirsten Gillibrand, Elizabeth Warren. Um, Andrew Yang. Andrew Asian, Yang. You have Andrew Yang. Who I find very compelling. Yang Gang. He sat in that very Yang chair. Yang Gang, yeah. He sat in that very My, chair. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sat in that chair. We interviewed him. Uh, but you have such a such a diverse field of Democratic candidates, and the two front runners. Are two old white guys, yeah, Bernie and Joe. A lot of that has to do with uh, name recognition and being so early in the fair. field. Totally um, fair. Biden is is leading morning consult polling. He's at forty percent, um, and he has very very high favorabilities. It's in the seventies, along with Bernie Sanders. But what uh, these other candidates have are very very giant don't knows. 
So a lot of people don't know um, about Warren, which is actually quite surprising for people kind of within D.C. A lot of people don't know about Buttigieg. A lot of people don't know um, about uh, Harris. And as these people become more well-known, um, those don't knows are going to reduce and they're either going to yeah. go in the favorable or unfavorable. So Biden and Sanders, although they're they're in the lead right now, their don't knows are at like 5%. Mm. So they really can't move. Their favorability is their favorability. Their electability is essentially as high as it's going to get. Um, but these other candidates, as they become, you know, as people get to know them a little bit more, you're going to see those those numbers go up. That's so interesting. Yeah. I, you know, that, that gets into, we only have about two minutes left, so uh, we're not going to do service to this topic. But I do want to talk about the whole electability thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because... That's a whole other podcast. I know, I know. I know. We, we've got to, we, this is not fair to just th- throw it in here in the last couple of minutes. But it is interesting that the people that a lot of voters will claim are not very electable are... Women. women and who have already been elected right. <laughs> to I mean, public office. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. They're like, oh, Elizabeth Warren, Kirsten Gillibrand isn't elected. She's like, well, I've been sitting senator for yeah. X, X years. So don't tell me again why I'm not electable. And then people are kind of dumbfounded to answer that question. Mm-hmm. But again, the, two, the two candidates who have gotten more votes than any other presidential in the history of politics are a black man and a woman, Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. and Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. So this whole idea that Joe Biden needs to be the candidate because he's a relatively stable white guy. I think that alone pokes a bunch of holes in the argument. Agree. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, to me, I'm I'm really interested in how that's going to change as the field whittles down, yeah. like as that mm-hmm. favorability locks in. Um, because there are candidates like Andrew Yang who definitely are not going to get anywhere near the finish line, but they might be pulling the conversation in ways that people sure. that like, does Joe Biden want to talk about UBI, universal basic income, mm-hmm. or like circumcision? Like, no, <laughs> right, right. but people like Andrew Yang are going to demand that it becomes part of the zeitgeist a little bit. And I'm curious to how that will maybe skew their electability or not. Brittany Shepard, uh, you're on vacation, but you're about to start with Yahoo News. <laughs> on Monday. Thank you so much for joining us, and of congratulations course. on the new gig. You can follow her on Twitter at BLR Shepard, uh, and also features editor for Morning Consult, Joanna Piacenza in the studio. You can follow her on Twitter at jpiacenza. Uh, my name is Peter Ogburn. I'm on Twitter at Peter Ogburn. Thank you very much for watching the show. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then. This is the Bill Press Show.